0: two foundations of Pentecost dedicated to the repairing, restoring, preserving, and perpetrating the foundations of Pentecost. It is our prayer that as you listen, you'll be encouraged and strengthened in your faith. And now, today's study from the Scripture. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and invite His presence to be with us. Father, we're thankful for the privilege we have to come into Your presence. God, I pray that our hearts, our minds would be open to Your Word this morning. I pray that You would speak to us through Your Word. God, I pray that You would just give me a uh, quickness of mind this morning and a thought that You would, Lord, enable me, Lord, to proclaim Your Word and to speak Your Word, the things that need to be said this morning. Lord, I pray that we might live lives that would be pleasing to You and in accordance to Your Word. Lord, help us to take the truths that we study this morning and apply them to our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. We have been talking about the Holy Ghost over the last few weeks and... uh, Um, really just getting started, but um, uh, this morning I want us to uh, turn to Acts chapter 10 uh, to begin with and we'll start reading in verse 34 and uh, we are going to be looking at the Holy Ghost during the time of Christ and in the life of Christ this morning. Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him worketh righteousness is, and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. This morning, uh, the focus is on that last verse where it says how that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Last week, we talked about the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. A lot of times when we speak of the Holy Ghost, uh, we often think of it as a New Testament concept. But as we pointed out uh, last week, the majority of the books in the Old Testament make reference to the Holy Ghost or to the Holy Spirit or to the Spirit of God. And, uh, and so uh, it is uh, uh, very prominent in the Old Testament. But as we move now to the New Testament We find the activity of the Holy Ghost in the life of individuals in the New Testament long before even the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes we almost think of the the Holy Ghost as just appearing on the scene on the day of Pentecost. But the Holy Ghost uh, is, as God, is eternal. And so there was a working of the Spirit all throughout history. And uh, so we see it in the Scripture even before the day of Pentecost. In particular we notice in uh, Luke uh, uh, chapter 1 where uh, the uh, uh, angel appeared to Zacharias and promised that John the Baptist would be born and he tells him in, in verse 15 that John the Baptist would be Baptized of the Spirit from his mother's womb, or would be filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb. Then we find also in Luke chapter 1, we find that the angel appeared to Mary and said that that she would be overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, that she would conceive as a result of the Holy Ghost. Not only in the conception was Mary filled with the Holy Ghost, but we find later when she went to visit Elizabeth, and she, she began to proclaim and to worship God under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, as she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Also within these chapters, we find that Elizabeth, when Mary arrives, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit as she responds to Mary and as she talks with Mary. And then later when John is born, the Bible tells us that Zacharias was filled with the Spirit. And so we find instances of filling of the Spirit in the Bible, uh, in the Bible, the, uh, Before at the time of Christ coming on the scene, but before the the outpouring of the Spirit, then Mary and Joseph took Jesus to be uh, circumcised on the eighth day. When they took him to the temple, they were met by uh, two elderly people, Simeon and Anna, and both of them, the Bible tells us that they were filled with the Spirit as they began to prophesy over Jesus and and prophesied to to Mary, and so we find that within these first chapters of Luke there are eight references to being filled with the Spirit and so then Jesus himself, most notably we find when he was baptized in the river Jordan and the Holy Ghost descended on him in bodily shape as a dove and and uh, we, saw, we, we find that He is baptized, uh, at, at, or rather at His baptism, the Holy Ghost comes upon Him. And throughout Jesus' life and His ministry, everything that He does is under the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. And so this morning we want to look at some of these things that affected the life of Christ by the power of the Holy Ghost because Jesus is our ultimate example. We are to follow Jesus. Part of, part of His purpose in coming and part of His purpose in living, not only did He come to give His life a sacrifice for our sins, but He also lived an exemplar. Let's try that another way. I'm going to get my tongue all tangled up here. He lived a life that would be an example of how we are to live. And so he was going to uh, show us how that we can live. And so he operated as a man, though he was God at the same time, he operated as a man under the power of the Holy Ghost. And as He needed the Holy Ghost to operate, and as He operated in the Holy Ghost, so we as believers are to live our lives filled with the Spirit. The first thing that we see, Isaiah chapter 11, later, uh, or Isaiah chapter 11, beginning at verse 1, says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord." This is a, a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ. And, and when he is talking about the the root and the, the offspring or the, the stem of Jesse and the branch, he is, these are these are words that are used to denote Jesus Christ and, and the coming Messiah. And so he is talking about him. And he says that he that the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him. And there are some things that he tells us in this passage that the Spirit of the Lord rests upon him for. First of all, he says, For wisdom. We need wisdom in the age that we live in. We need wisdom. Matter of fact, one of the gifts of the Spirit, when we get to that, is a word of wisdom. But we need wisdom more than just a specific time for a specific instance, but we need wisdom in the way we live our entire life. And the wisdom of this world is not sufficient. Matter of fact, the wisdom of this world will lead us astray. We can see that going on in in the capital all the time. The wisdom of this world, and they've made a mess of things. But it is the wisdom of God that we need. And so James says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. But wisdom comes from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit within our life. And so Jesus had the wisdom of the Holy Spirit within His life. Matter of fact, in the book of Luke chapter 2, He tells us that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. And in favor with God and in favor with man. Closely associated with that, he says he grew, uh, said he had, would have wisdom and understanding. Sometimes wisdom, understanding is, is to be able to look at a situation and know what's going on, but sometimes we can understand what's going on and we don't know how to act upon it. Wisdom is acting upon the knowledge that we have. And so, though they are closely related, but then he says, he says that he would have wisdom and understanding, but the spirit of counsel. When Jesus instructed, when He gave advice to people, it was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. And I know, we, I, I realize that, you know, and sometimes we get to trying to, to divide hairs because He was God at the same time. And, 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 and we try to figure out how to make, you know, how we separate the Holy Ghost and the Son and, and who's doing what. and The fact is there's one God. And, and they, they're all working in conjunction with one another. And sometimes we just, you know, and, and sometimes we even get, say it a little wrong because it's so closely associated and we try to divide it and then we try to put it back together and we try to divide it again and by the time we're done, we've confused even ourselves sometimes because God is so much better than we are. But, He gave counsel through The Holy Spirit. Did you know we need the counsel of the Holy Spirit when we are talking with other people and counseling with other people? A lot of times we think of counsel as strictly being the professional counselor or or maybe someone that is in the so-called professional ministry. But did you know we all time have friends and people that will come to us and talk to us for advice? Recently, uh, uh, someone came up to me at work and said, said, hey, I need to ask you about something. said, I, w- I want to ask you about something. And he s- started into this uh, story and a situation going on in his life. And it was a, a rather, at least to me, a rather inconsequential thing. But in doing that, he said, you know, he said, you're the closest thing I've got to a pastor. And he said, so I need somebody to talk to. Did you know we need the Holy Ghost? That's why we have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. When situations like that arise, sometimes if we're not careful, we've had our mind on such carnal things all day long. And then all of a sudden somebody come up and all of a sudden we need the wisdom of the Holy Ghost. And so that's why we are to be filled, constantly filled with the Spirit, so that in a moment's notice, when people come to us like that, the Holy Ghost can help us. Then he goes on to talk about not only counsel, but His might, the power of God. And then, knowledge. Knowledge comes through the Holy Ghost. Knowledge is is to, to know things. What do we know? What do we need to know? The most important thing is to know the Word of God. But the Word of God is inspired by the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us that holy men of old spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost to write the words that are written in the Scripture. The Bible tells us that the Holy Ghost will bring these things to our remembrance when we need them. And so the Holy Ghost imparts knowledge. And there is times that the Holy Ghost can impart knowledge that we would not otherwise have known. Now I know there's a lot of things that goes on out there in Christianity that says, you know, where they've tried to fake it and they've tried to you know, make it as the Holy Ghost speaking. But there are times, I remember a number of years ago, it was actually when I was a teenager, during youth camp one night, uh, there was a girl, as uh, the Spirit of the Lord began to move in the tabernacle, this girl ran out of the tabernacle. It was when we were still in the old tabernacle. She ran out and ran over to the girl's dorm. Uh, as And uh, uh, so... Uh, my mom and, and some other as I went over, and I think even my dad eventually was over there in the dorm praying with her as she began to exhibit demonic influence uh, in her life. And they begin to pray with her and deal with her and, and uh, work with her. And all of the sudden, out of the clear blue, my mom looked at her and called her by name and said, Give me the drugs. with no indication. The girl went to her suitcase and pulled out a 35 millimeter film case. I think most of us are old enough to know what those are. Little 35 millimeter film case full of drugs. And my mom said later, we didn't get them all. There was more. She only knew that by the Holy Ghost but the Holy Ghost can give us knowledge in times of need. Then, one thing that is lacking that the Bible says it was part of of, uh, the Spirit being upon the Lord was the fear of the Lord. By fear, when the Bible talks about fear, and we've discussed this before, it's talking about reverence and we are losing the reverence for the things of God in the age in which we live. It is not uncommon for people to make jokes about the things of God. It grieves me when I hear people make jokes about the Word of God and take lightly the Word of God. And, and, and sometimes, you'll go into some congregations, you'll hear preachers get up and make light of the Word of God as they, as they are trying to proclaim the Word of God. And it concerns me because we are losing a fear of God in the age in which we live. We are getting to a place where it is more and more common To consider the sanctuary and the house of God is just another building or gathering place. And I realize there is nothing intrinsically spiritual necessarily about, uh, uh, about this building. It's because that it has been dedicated for the purpose of God. But when we do not reverence the house of God, it shows a disrespect for God Himself. There was a time, just to ride one of my hobby horses, there was a time that a man took his hat off when he went into any public building. Now it's not uncommon to see them leave their hat on, not only when they first come in, but in some places they even have people that are on the platform with their hats on, throughout the service. You say, well, that's a small thing. No, it's showing where our heart really is. Because sometimes some of those small things are indicators of much greater problems. Not only was there the fear of God, and we already mentioned it in the early uh, part in in, in our introduction, but Jesus was conceived. Through the Holy Ghost or by the Holy Ghost. Then in Luke chapter 4, the Bible says that Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. In His life, He was led by the Spirit. He was directed by the Spirit where He went, the things that He did, He was directed by the Spirit. And even so, it is important for us in our lives to allow the Holy Ghost to lead and direct our lives to place us in the position that we need to be in, to be at the right place at the right time, to minister to other people, to to reach out to the lost and dying. And so... He is led by the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says in verse 11, "...but if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you." The resurrection of Jesus Christ took place by the Spirit of God. And then, also in Romans chapter 8, if you skip down to verses 22 and 23, the Bible says, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also, "...which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body." And here he is talking about the return of Jesus Christ. And the return of Jesus Christ took place, or will take place, as a moving of the Spirit of God. Again, you say, "Well, how is that? Well, it's because there's one God, and sometimes we try to distinguish so much that we forget you know and 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 um uh, in it, it, even in in as i have as I've taught as I have studied and looked at this, I thought, Lord, I don't want to to divide God so much because sometimes we." Sometimes if we're not careful, we argue for three gods while we believe in one God. We argue for three gods. When we don't believe in three gods, we believe there's one God. And so, the unity of, of the Godhead is, is so much so that as we begin to look and at some of these things, you're going to say, well, you're saying that's a work of the Spirit, and I thought that was a work of the Son. Well, it is. But I thought that was a work of the Father. It is. Because they work in harmony and unity. And a lot of times, when you hear a, a really good musician, when you hear a really good quartet, sometimes it becomes hard to distinguish. One note from another. But a lot of times there's four notes, or sometimes uh, I, sometimes they, the Gaither vocal band did a, a album with Ernie Haasen's signature sound. They said there was times they were singing eight parts. and, and so it was a, a, a very and yet it sounds as though one voice comes forth. And so it is with God, and though that is a very poor illustration, and yet at the same time, the same is true with an orchestra. You hear one note, and yet you hear many instruments. But in the life of Christ, we can learn from His life because He worked The works that He did, He lived His life as one filled with the Spirit. And was thereby our example of how we should live our lives. It is hard to distinguish, and sometimes again we're maybe splitting hairs. Because they are so closely associated but not only in his life, but in his ministry. A lot of times, that's where we want to start. We want the Holy Ghost to move in our ministry. We want the Holy Ghost to work in our ministry, and we leave our lifestyle aside from it. And we want a special anointing to come on us when, you know, uh, when we're teaching. But if I'm, you know, out. At Branson or something, then we sometimes think, well, we don't need the Holy Ghost. We do. But we try to distinguish that in our lives at times. Luke chapter 4, Jesus stood up to read in the synagogue. The Bible says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. First of all, in his ministry, Jesus Christ was anointed by the Spirit of God. Again, and I... I say this often to remind us of it, but ministry doesn't necessarily mean a pulpit ministry or a professional ministry. We're all to be ministers in one way or another. And so he was anointed by the Spirit of God. To be anointed is is when God places a call upon the life of an individual. For example, when Saul was anointed to be king over Israel, Samuel poured the oil upon his head. Later, when David was anointed, he poured the oil on his head saying, and telling him, God has called you for a purpose. God has called you to a specific ministry. He has called you for something. And so the anointing is part of the calling of God on the life of an individual. It doesn't just have to be for kings and prophets and priests. Because as we pointed out last week, Bezalel and Aholiab were anointed by the Holy Ghost for the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness. We can be anointed of God to be carpenters, or bricklayers, or plumbers, or truck drivers, or whatever. God can place an anointing on our life for His calling upon our life. Not only is there an anointing, but sometimes we we don't fully realize, and and it's, it's... not necessarily wrong, but a lot of times we refer to the anointing of the Holy Ghost and, you know, somebody will get up and to preach and they'll say, well, I just need the Lord to anoint me tonight. Well, what they're saying is they want a special unction of the Spirit to make their delivery not only easier, but, well, sometimes that's all they're looking for, but but a lot of times to be able to touch the hearts of men because we cannot of ourselves, the wisdom of man's words will not reach the heart of men. It takes the Spirit of God. And so unless we have an unction of the Holy Ghost, I cannot touch your spirit and your soul. I may can stir your emotions... If I'm good enough, I may can get you excited about what I'm saying, but I really can't change your life by my words unless the Holy Ghost is working through me. But the anointing of the Holy Ghost is not that special unction in times like that, because the anointing of the Holy Ghost comes at the beginning of a ministry to call for a purpose. And so technically in its most strict uh, uh, use in scripture we find a person is anointed for ministry or called for a specific ministry and that anointing generally rests on them throughout their lifetime and then there are special unctions throughout their life for specific purposes as the need arises and I realize again I'm, I'm probably splitting hairs between the two but there is a a slight difference a person can be anointed to be the pastor of a church. And in that anointing, he does not lose the anointing for the calling of, that, of pastoring that church. But there may be some sermons that flop. As a matter of fact, there will be some sermons that flop. And there will be some when they have that special unction of the Spirit but in both cases they are still anointed by God for that purpose not only does the anointing come but then the Holy Ghost equips for service first Corinthians Chapter 1, verse 26 says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise after the flesh, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world, the things which are despised, hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not, To bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. The Holy Ghost equips us for the ministry to which He calls us. And a lot of times, we are not, more often than not, the individual that is called is not equipped at the time of their calling. Often the equipping comes after the calling. There are many people who have been called and then later have been equipped for the calling which God placed on their life. And then, I already referenced it as we begin this point, Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit was consumed with ministry. His life was consumed. He did not separate His life and His ministry. As we so often want to do. We so often want to separate our life into the sacred and into the secular. But everything about our life should be sacred, should be holy, and we should be walking under the influence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Then Jesus had power through the Holy Ghost and worked as we read the life of Christ, and we don't have time to take a lot of time on each of these this morning, but we find Jesus healed through the power of the Holy Ghost. And we already read some scripture that referenced this, but, but as Jesus uh, healed the sick, it was through the power. Then Jesus had power over nature. We find not only did He have power over the human body, but we find where He calmed the storm and He walked on the water. And and Jesus had power over nature. And then, through the power of the Holy Ghost, He had power over demonic spirits. This is something that we probably do not see in the American church like we need to see it. And part of the problem is, is far too often we have become so carnal that sometimes we do not even recognize when there is demonic activity that takes place among us. I remember being at a service in one particular place. And I looked up there in the service. And there was some people sitting in the back. And they appeared to be worshiping just like everybody else. But immediately, something in my spirit told me they're under the influence of demonic activity. There is a counterfeit. And sometimes demonic activity hides itself and appears as the real thing. I have... Seen times that people could speak in tongues under the influence of demonic powers. We need the discerning of spirits, which is one of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and we must have the discerning of spirits in operation in the church today. There have been times that you just, you know, there'll be individuals that God will just give you a check about, to be cautious about, and you don't know why. And then later, something come out, and you find out. And some of the things that we are dealing with today, a, a lot of times, you know, there are spirits that take hold, and sometimes those spirits take hold in churches when they are not recognized. I have seen churches where there was, where there was just one case after another, after another, after another of adultery or divorce and remarriage and, and, and some of these kind of things take place within the congregation because there was a spirit that had moved in and the problem was, sometimes we try to deal with those through counseling or through... through, But we have to deal with spiritual, man, spiritual problems in spiritual ways. And we must have the Holy Ghost... Listen, homosexuality isn't just a choice of lifestyle. There is a spirit that brings about homosexuality. We talk about the need to... to Have a holiness lifestyle and and dress in a, a way that is modest and pleasing to God. But did you know those are things of the Spirit? And a person can be dressed to the T's as far as our outward holiness standards go or what we call holiness a lot of times, they can be dressed perfectly according to that, and yet have a sensual spirit within them. And that sensual spirit will destroy. And we need to be able to recognize that just because that person may look good on the outside, there is a sensual spirit on the inside. But the same is true when we are filled with the spirit because one of the things about the spirit is he is the holy spirit and the spirit of holiness will within will indwell a person when they are filled with the spirit and did you know there are times that maybe a person has not been around and not been uh, uh, taught some of the things we have taught and they may not have ever heard to dress in some ways that we dress and they can have a spirit of holiness now a lot of times that Spirit of Holiness will lead them to a greater. And if, if it's truly the Spirit of Holiness, and they'll begin to change their life. But sometimes there is something within a person that may not be exactly where we think they need to be yet because they have not grown to our level of maturity in the Christian walk. And then, last of all, the promise of the Spirit the promise of baptism, the promise was to all believers. The promise was not just a promise, but He commanded that His followers be filled with the Spirit. It's not just, not just a matter of saying, I suggest that this would be a good thing, but it is a command. And then last of all, Jesus said if the Spirit's in us, if we're filled with the Spirit, we would do greater things even than what He did while He was here on earth. And you can read that in John chapter 14. Everything Jesus did, His preaching, His his healings, His suffering, His victory over sin, He did by the power of the Holy Ghost. If Jesus could do nothing apart from the working of the Holy Spirit, how much more do we need the Spirit's enablement in our life? Thank You, Lord, for Your Word. God, I pray that we could take... Your Word this morning and apply it to our hearts and lives. God, I pray that Your Spirit would speak to us and that we might be filled with Your Spirit so that we might be able to fulfill the calling that You have placed on our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. This has been Foundations of Pentecost. We trust that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more, please visit us at foundationsofpentecost.com.